0: Economic instability, unclarities, and potentially major shifts within the global economy. Are we going to see major switches and changes in the capitalist mode? Are the markets and the global economy uh, going to be altered in very significant ways? And how can we deal with all these things? And um, what kind of predictions can we make on this topic? All of this is going to be dealt with. In this podcast episode of Aceda magazine. So let's get started. In the global economy, we face some major challenges and we have significant um, structural changes over the last couple of years, starting with the corona pandemic back in um, 2020 and when this pandemic started obviously we knew that this is going to have some impact on uh, economic conduct and it did actually um, it was kind of yeah the first repercussions of this global pandemic actually happened at the financial markets when the markets basically broke down and accordingly the recovery um, was actually yeah um, unexpectedly quick Back at that time, but in the real economy, obviously some major changes uh, occurred. Interestingly, the whole situation, and I need to kind of um, go into to depth uh, into depth with this uh, with this topic, is that back then, when the pandemic started, actually, uh, politicians and economists thought that yeah, consumption patterns are going to um, not change. But rather, uh, consumption is going to decrease, um, yeah, um, very drastically, which actually didn't happen. But uh, yeah, consumption just uh, just changed, and uh, just a minor decrease in consumption happened. Yeah, what I mean by that is that instead of going out, for example, due to the lockdowns, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, people turned to their homes and um, yeah, spent money on on furniture and hobbies and yeah, all of that stuff and potentially also invested more into the stock markets. So these were very important structural changes that happened back then, but um, economists and uh, politicians reacted to that by increasing the money supply to stir up uh, further consumption, although there was only a slight decrease. But in more general terms... um, next to the recession to, uh, ne- next to the inflation that we witnessed over the yeah following years especially during the last year and also another stock market um, downturn which is still not over yet by the way you know we still have the potential to see um yeah uh, lower stock prices in the near future potentially but um, in the end, uh, we entered into a phase of economic turmoil, and people ask themselves maybe we are seeing structural changes that are going to last for a very long time, especially when we also think about the rising power of um, non-neo-European or European nations, such as uh, Brazil, China, Russia, and Turkey, for example, where, yeah, kind of a common. Um, at, at some at some uh, place you know uh, a common currency is debated, and um, infrastructurally, uh, China is also pushing its own agenda abroad. so there are also very important economic changes that we might have might have there. These are more like the yeah the daily doings and the daily conduct within the global economic realm that we are dealing with and people are yeah, quick to kind of pinpoint uh, changes and structural uh, shifts basically to those things I rather have the idea or yeah the tendency to say that these are actually reflective developments of underlying dynamics that are more uh, embedded into uh, wave theory and life, life cycle theory. In other words, it is not really that the BRIC uh, countries start to get together and um, inflation is uh, yeah suddenly high in in many, many countries, um, that these are basically the triggers of shifts, but these are kind of the... Display that shifts, underlying shifts and um, changing structures, basically are already taking place. So changes are already occurring in an underlying fashion, and these are just the uh, things that surface and are the results of um, major structural shifts. And this is a, a different different approach. Um, obviously, I'm always looking at the, at the broader picture and I always tend to view things in the context of life cycles or so in waves, uh, meaning that, for example, if a system, in this case capitalism, is very successful and yeah, can build on the success and extend it to a certain extent, then at some point it needs to experience a downturn in order to then grow again. So we can see this with societies, we can see this with, with different nations, where nations, you know, they reach certain highs and um, then obviously turn into certain lows. And once they survive the lows, again, highs can, um, can occur. And the same goes for, obviously, um, economies on a, large, uh, on a smaller scale. On a micro scale, for example, we have seasonal changes, uh, in industries, by, uh, for example, let's take tourism. Um, if yeah, In the summer season, tourism is obviously in um, certain countries much higher than uh, during the winter season. And this is just a small or micro example of the whole economy, which has also structural waves, meaning that at some point uh, the economy is doing better and in um, yeah, during other periods is doing worse. And if we move up yet another level, on the very macro level, and look at it as economic systems and not at, as um, national economies themselves, we also see that there are major uh, waves and uh, highs and lows that occur. And when we look at the recent history, and with recent I mean the last 100 years, we can see, and we just need to turn to the stock market to kind of visualize the development of the global economy, then we'll see that we have experienced major upward sloping curve in terms of almost every positive metric that we have in the economic realm, at least for the major economies, let's say for the uh, major 30 economies. And even those who kind of lag behind there is a tendency towards becoming bigger and we um, yeah, are qualitatively uh, better equipped. And this in itself is no problem. But the reason why in this current situation we cannot expect the economies to further rise and to expand is or are the structural um, yeah properties on the quality level. Even though there is an improvement At that level, we do not have a very stringent um, development on the intrinsic value that is being produced in those capitalist systems. What do I mean by that? If we look at how predominantly European and neo European nations, such as um, Germany, um, the UK, the USA, Canada, Australia, and, and so on and so forth, how they go about economic conduct is that consumption is a very central aspect there. And consumption is built on obviously to a certain extent also on manipulation or psychological manipulation because it kind of suggests that you need certain products in order to um, remain relevant um, socially. For example, branded clothes or Expensifications or any other status symbol, such as cars, houses, um, you know, in certain dimensions. um, These are things that are suggested in order to spur consumption. And this is also why luxury goods um, had such a wonderful, uh, in terms of profits, such a wonderful uh, decade because as society pushes towards. Kind of exhaustion of the market of basic needs. For example, if everyone can afford um, normal clothes, um, a car, a house, and so on and so forth, the market or the yeah the range of products that can be continuously consumed without kind of um, yeah, um, without necessarily needing to be replaced, but voluntarily being replaced. ...at that point, are luxury goods. It is not like you have a house and every five years because you're bored you're going to buy a new house. But with luxury clothes and um, even with cars and other status symbols that you actually don't really need... ...that do not further your your existence in that sense, but you're only buying it to show off... ...or to f- yeah, kind of feel better in the sense of um, yeah you're standing within society these products became more prominent and were pushed and kind of placed more prominently within the economies um, of those nations, but also in other nations such as India, uh, China and Turkey, for example. And uh, these nations are also moving towards the trend of increasing luxury and yeah, basically products and services without intrinsic value. And this is something that capitalism is actually uh, made for. And in the, er- in, in the early days, obviously, um, especially after the Bretton Woods system, this worked quite well. The market was quite open, basic needs weren't fulfilled. So there was a lot to consume and uh, lots to develop. For example, we um, yeah, have household machines and uh, electronic devices and so on and so forth. But right now, and this is where it gets interesting and where my whole theory, the Rolex theory that I um, actually um, developed um, a couple of weeks ago and also posted on my, on my uh, website is cedo.com um, you will find the link in the description below comes into play. And this theory suggests that at some point of capitalist development the market is so exhausted that there are actually no more um, interesting and innovative products and services that would upkeep the level of consumption needed to basically expand the capitalist system. The capitalist system is not built on consumption in absolute terms, but in relative terms. So it means it always needs to, um, or it always requires all the participants to consume more than before in order to expand. And if you secured a certain level of material comfort, right, a certain uh, habituation sets in, meaning you have a house, you have a car, and this is for example, a very important milestone for a lot of people, and at some point, even though it was before, yeah, a dream and basically something that they really worked hard for and and um, were looking forward to to obtain. At some point, they're getting used to it, and at that point, um, your drive for more economic value, you know, becomes lower, and this is endangering the. Uh, the system in itself. So in order for capitalism to survive, there needs to be a continuous push for more consumption in order to fill the void that is setting in with that certain habituation. And at that point, when the basic needs and the yeah the mid-level needs basically are all fulfilled and you're just about to enter the last stage of uh, of fulfillment meaning personal development and all that which is actually a stage where consumption gets even more reduced because a person who is self-aware and self-confident does need luxury goods even though this person is more likely to be successful at his job and um, get more uh, economic means this person is more um, more likely to spend it on Um, hobbies, or invested in the stock market, and so on and so forth. So before entering this stage of human development or personal development, in this case, if we look at it from an individual perspective, the capitalist system needs to kind of give you the incentive to buy luxury goods in order to, yeah, artificially keep up the uh, expansion of, um, of the system and therefore the success of the system. But at some point, even with the luxury goods, even though they are inexhaustible theoretically, because there's always a more uh, expensive watch, there's always a more expensive car, there's always a more expensive vacation that you can book, at some point the marginal return of your spending... Um, is not that great in terms of the quality of life. So whether you drive a Lamborghini or a Ferrari at some point, and if you have 10 of them, it's not going to make a difference of your lifestyle and your feeling. You're so used to it that you don't really need it. And this is just like the, yeah, the very rare example of very few people who, have, uh, who are in this situation. And this is, as we can always see with celebrities, is where they have a decline in in-character traits, You know, usually scandals arise at a certain level of material wealth. And the Rolex theory says that if we have a certain level of material comfort on the aggregate economy, then we are more likely to experience a downturn or a recession. For example... And this is where the the name comes from. If we look at the United States, or um, rather, for example, uh, the Netherlands, uh, United Kingdom, and, and Germany, for example, if you uh, save for a couple of months, usually I'm just talking about the um, basic income, and um, yeah, obviously with some some material sacrifice that you uh, need to need to make at that point. But in general, if you save up to a year and uh, put a certain amount of money aside each month and you're working and um, yeah, you're saving, saving the money, everyone can basically, um, to a yeah, lesser or greater degree of difficulty, can buy a Rolex watch. The idea behind that is... When we think about Rolex watches, we're thinking about basically a status symbol. Every watch is telling you the time. And the time, or knowing the time, is something, yes, to a certain degree important, but it's not essential. And therefore, watches obviously are um, status symbols. And whenever you, you buy an expensive watch, such a Rolex watch... Um, there is a social effect that you're buying with it and that you need to show off at that point meaning um and therefore uh, and this is because the brand Rolex has developed into into this yeah symbol of of wealth but on the aggregate if many people yeah uh, and I'm not saying everyone is is able to to buy uh, such a watch even with Uh, saving up for for two years or something like that. But with increasing aggregate wealth, more people are able to uh, buy this watch with less uh, difficulty. And what that means is that the market is exhausted to such an extent that either it needs an innovative drive or an impulse uh, in the market in order to spur uh, further consumption or we are going to enter a, res- a recession because at that at some point people are also going to turn away from these kind of products because they are not because they realize basically that this is not bringing them happiness or is not a um, very intelligent investment of hard earned money and then a reorientation sets in because at some point the capitalist system is with its um, investment into the Um, forecasted output is not going to be sufficient to further expand and when growth is not happening and uh, stagnating at some point uh, a a recession needs to set in um, because there's no one to to buy the products anymore and then it's kind of an amplifying effect um, that the trend and the rethinking basically leads to less, uh, less consumption. So, yeah, as I said, an economic downturn is the consequence. Now, what I said before with the innovative impulse that is uh, needed, the problem is the p- we have actually also at this point exhausted uh, much of the innovative uh, potential in many ways. For example the t. v uh the television is hasn't uh developed much since um yeah switching to um to l. c. d. displays so the first biggest leap was um the expansion or the the um development of color t v and then uh, to l. c. d s and everything after this is just like increased resolution and maybe the integration of the internet um on on television devices. But other than that, this device hasn't developed much. The mobile phone turned into a smartphone, which was a great innovation and spurred definitely um, uh, yeah, growth in many sectors, um, as well as the Internet, as we can see with social media and marketing um, uh, channels and uh, yeah, basically uh, the economy switching more and more into the online mode. But here again, because... Everything within economies was so focused on, on pure consumption, the idea of quality consumption was pushed further into background, into the background. So it was more like just spend your money, uh, regardless of what it is, rather than on things that really matter, and um, yeah, basically also give the market the incentive to push for more innovation. These are, for example, televisions and uh, smartphones are consumer goods, but there are also many other sectors such as um, uh, yeah, space or as we can uh, now see, artificial intelligence and robotics and everything. Um, they lag behind because they are not really uh, consumer-oriented uh, industries, but rather B2B or military um, industries. So even though they developed... Yeah, they were not part of the, or not that integrated into the consumption cycle that actually kept the capital, the system going, and because of that, um, obviously research and development was also pushed further into the background. And I remember there was this one article that I read back in my university days from Hans Morgenthau. He was um, yeah one of the more influential political scientists in the 20th century. Um, A very smart man and he basically said that the problem with scientific research and development is that it is more and more interest-oriented than uh, curiosity-oriented. We have the problem that scientific progress is always tied to some sort of funding and funding um, tr- always tries to direct you to, uh, you know, to, to a certain extent, towards some kind of interest. These might be material, meaning that when a company or um, a government invests into a certain project, it expects monetary return. So if that is something that is going to sell uh, quite well or is projected to sell uh, quite well later on, they will invest or. And this is the second uh, second option. There are social or political interests or ideological interest that play a role in that investment, and because of that, the yeah actual purpose of science is undermined at that point, because science is there to or science is driven by curiosity and uh, the yeah the interest in, in knowing more just for the sake of knowing it and if we think about science in economic terms all the time, science is less able to also spur economic growth through new innovations and impulses, as it was the case with yeah basically all major inventions that also changed the course of, of economic history. And I think, and we can come to uh, an end at this point of this discussion, and I think with the incredible amount of wealth that has been acquired and accumulated over the last couple of uh, decades um, with the massive expansion of national economies, with the massive um, expansion and and connectivity of, um, yeah, the, let's say, the the biggest social classes, um, we have reached a point where wealth and material comfort has been um, so normal that we even yeah about to to enter a stage where luxury goods are going to be uh, normal for for uh, yeah at least at least the middle classes of many developed uh, and industrial countries and because of that and that is the and that is the idea behind the Rolex theory, and because of that we might experience a downturn because people are too used to all of these things, and uh, because the necessity to spend money on these kind of um, products and services is declining, um, yeah, the capitalist systems of the world are actually in front of a very serious challenge. Finally, how can we counteract it or how can we react to that or what is the, yeah, uh, the logical consequence of it? Well, I don't think, and this is a normative thing, I mean, if you are very um, uh, kind of enthusiastic uh, about the capitalist idea, obviously the one thing that needs to be done is uh, to innovate and to produce sensible and productive go- uh, products and services in order to keep uh, the economies going and therefore curiosity is actually required. So it doesn't need to be the focus to develop a product and sell it because that would kind of limit scientific progress. But just pick something that you are curious about and once you develop it into something that is quite great, you can monetize it and this is actually pushing pushing economic uh, conduct at that point. Um, if you're more passive about these kind of things, um, you can watch out to kind of shift investments into regions that are non-European and near european For example, um, China, and I've been saying this for, and this is, this is no secret, I've been saying this for quite some time now that I think that China is about to enter a crazy uh, bull cycle. So lots of investment op- opportunities there. I think that China is going to be um is going to make a lot of people rich just because they are they are still within that phase of pushing innovations and they're just about to exit the mass production idea of of economic conduct and um push into the yeah industrial um type of um economic structure and because we are at the beginning of these kind of things even though they are already Um, big big um, companies there I think this is going to be a very interesting investment opportunity at that point um, as well as other countries such as Turkey and um, yeah to a lesser degree um, also India and Brazil but shifting capital might be one thing Um, another would be shorting the market which is kind of risky but it's nonetheless a situation that you can basically um, yeah you need to analyze it, obviously, but uh, this is still an option. Or within the portfolios, or the idea, or um, of of investing in Europe and near European nations, is to shift around to more innovative um, companies, especially around artificial intelligence and data, um, yeah, handling and managing. So these are very, or cloud computing, these are the very uh, very, um, innovatively driven sectors at the moment. So I hope you like this episode about um, this economic discussion. Um, Obviously, I would like to hear what you think about it, whether you agree or disagree. And obviously, uh, this is a very complex uh, topic um, yeah that needs to be monitored and uh, we'll we'll see how it actually turns out. It might be that um, the exact opposite um, actually happens and there's lots more potential to capitalist systems that we are ac- uh, that we are actually uh, seeing currently. but um, nonetheless a very interesting talk. Uh, I enjoyed it very much and therefore I hope to yeah. Um, have you back for the next episode of Acido magazine? Thank you very much for listening. Have a good one and bye.